0: If you have your Bibles, turned with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians th- chapter 3 is going to be our text for today. I just want to let you know as you're turning there that... Uh I've heard from a lot in our church, and there are some that are just really looking forward to getting back. Well, all of us are looking forward to getting back together, but some are more cautious than others. And I just want you to know that our leadership team is praying about these things and thinking about these things, and we'll communicate with you in the coming weeks. So I I want us to begin this morning by kind of resetting where we are in the book of Ephesians and kind of paint the big picture of, of what Paul is trying to accomplish. And number one, Paul is trying to communicate once and for all the power of the gospel message and what exactly we have in Jesus Christ and how that has the ability to transform not only individuals but also Church families, as well, in a special kind of community that he's going to talk about in the next three chapters. But his message is I want you to move from death, death in the sinful life that you originated in, to this new life that comes in Jesus Christ through the powerful message of the gospel. But number two, he wants to say, You Greeks and Romans, you're included. You're now part of God's family, and that's what we're going to focus in on today is just the power that comes through and the testimony that comes through a united group of people in Jesus Christ that looks different from the world around us. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Paul says this, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So what, what Paul is, is talking about is, he says, I'm a prisoner. Where, where is he? Well, He's in a Roman prison cell. But he goes, I, I'm not a prisoner of Caesar's. I, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ because I have been given a special commission. I have my... Damascus Road experience that was not just bring me back to Jesus Christ, but it was a calling to take this message of Jesus into to the Gentile people. So why is he here? Why does he find himself in this Roman prison cell? He says, well, I'm here for you guys. I'm here because of the Greeks and Roman people, so you can hear about Jesus. But Those that were listening to this message as it was read in the churches in and around Ephesus would probably be up on the backstory of how Paul got to jail. And and it's found in Acts chapter 21. So if you want to keep a, a finger in Ephesians chapter 3, but go ahead and flip over to Acts chapter 21, about 50 pages back. So Paul at this point in his ministry has been moving around for about a decade. So he's been going from town to town and his way of operation is he would move into a town and usually go talk with people in the Jewish synagogue, but then he had set himself up in the marketplace and he was a tent maker. So he's making tents and as people are coming by and asking him to make things, well, he's talking with them and also the vendors on either side of him. And he's telling them the good news about Jesus as he independently works there in the marketplace. And after a, a while, there would be some that would reject the message of Jesus. But there was a good number that said, I want to hear more. And so Paul would teach them and, and share about God's divine plan to reconcile all men back to himself. And then he baptized these new believers who said, I want that. And after there was a concerted mass, they would form a church body, a, a fellowship that would live different than the world around them. And once that got up and going, Paul says, okay, my time is done. Appoint leaders. I'm going to go and do the same thing a few miles down the road. And so Paul would either move to a different part of the country or he'd move to a whole different country as he's traveling around. And so this is what he's been doing for 10 years. And all this is going fine until Acts chapter 21 and verse 17 It says, when we, this is Luke the doctor who's writing Acts, and so Luke is apparently traveling around with Paul. He says, when we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to go see James and all the elders who were present. So what's happening is Paul comes back to kind of home base, The epicenter of the Jesus movement is ground zero, and he wants to interact with the leaders there. And it says that he interacts with James. Now, this in the Apostle James, as we talked about at Easter time, this is James, the brother of Jesus, who is a recent convert. He is converted after the resurrection of Jesus when he circles back to connect with his younger brother. And, and so Paul walks in and starts meeting with them, and, and so he comes in, and Paul's like, I've got some news for you of what's happening out on the mission field. So in verse 19, this is what he says. Paul goes in and says he greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when the Jews there in Jerusalem heard this, they praised God. They're like, this vision of what God had put in place through Paul is happening. And they're cheering and they're like, yes, awesome. We're glad that even Gentiles are now coming and receiving Jesus as Lord. Um, Paul, we got some news of our own so in verse 20, this is what he said. He says, thousands of Jews have believed and all of them are zealous for the law. All of them are are zealous for the law. And so not only do we have people coming to Jesus, but they're law-abiding citizens. Uh, They're following the commands that were given through Moses. And these new believers who have accepted Jesus are also following the commands. They've they got them down. Why would Paul include this update? I mean, why would they give this update to, to Paul? Well, why would they tell him that we've got these new believers, thousands of them, that are also following the law? Well, in essence, what they're saying is word on the street is, Paul, um, you've been, what we're hearing is, you're encouraging Jews out in the mission field to kind of disregard the law, that it's no longer necessary. Circumcision, eh. Sabbath laws, okay, if, if, if you want to, take some time off. Food, uh, eh, eat what you want. Because these are no longer necessary things. But the brothers, James, and, and those that are gathered there in Jerusalem, they're like, Paul, as you're kind of coming into the capital city here. We're just going to ask you to be a little more Jewish. We want you to act. We want you to fit in to the culture that we're building that's accepting Jesus, but also living under the law. And so the whole point of, of God redeeming his people was this. God rescued his people back in, in the first testament. And they're in Egyptian slavery, and God sends a deliverer Moses to come rescue them from the hand of Pharaoh. And and he leads them out into the wilderness and to the base of Mount Sinai. And then Moses, along with Joshua, go up, and Joshua's recording what's going on. But there's this time where God reveals his laws and passes them on to Moses. And Moses brings down all of these commands in the Torah, the, the first five books of, of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And, and within that canon of Scripture, there's 613 laws. So, but what God intended was for these people to be coming out of Egypt and they're heading towards the promised land. But God wants to make a covenant relationship with them. And he's like, if you'll follow these commands, if you'll live differently than the world around you, I will bless you. But it's not just going to be a blessing for you and your, your families and, and, and their children that come after. You've got a mission to do. I want you to be a light unto the Gentile nations. I want you to be holy and distinct, and I want you to be culturally different than your neighbors. So I I want you to practice these things that will separate you. As people come by your nation, they'll see you're not working on on Sabbath. Male circumcision, you're going to be eating different, and this will be for your benefit. How did they do with their mission that God had given them? Well, they're flawed people just like we are. In essence, the Jews failed to live into this holy set apart nation and, and to live and be this light unto the nations as God intended. But here's the deal they kept these cultural markers as a way of asserting themselves and their culture identity above and separated from and against non-Jewish people. So it became this barrier. It became this sense of we're better than you because you don't follow these commands. So it became a, a matter of cultural pride. These things that God had used as tools to bring other nations to him, they failed in that part, but they kept these things as a matter of pride. So Israel isolated themselves, and they cut themselves off from the very people groups that God intended them to reach. So Paul is different. He would come into a predominantly Gentile city, and and he would talk with those that he's trying to connect with. He says, do you know what God's plan is? God has set apart his one and only son as a Jewish Messiah that came in to be a sacrifice once and for all. He died for you so that you could be completely restored to God, so that you could become a a healed nation and a healed people and could bring you into right relationship and your life can be transformed through the grace of God that comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the Gentile Alliance is like, us too? Yes. We're saved? Yes, you're saved. Other Jewish Christians would walk in and go, hold on. Don't get too far down the road on this thing. We're glad you found Jesus. But number one, you need to clear off your Friday night schedule. Because you're not doing anything from Friday night sundown until Saturday night sundown. Okay, number two, put down the pork chop. No more. You cannot have those anymore. And and number three, fellas, y'all need to go in the next room over. We've got a little procedure that we want to do. Because if you're going to be in Jesus, you've also got to be in to the law that was given through Moses. And so this becomes this huge tension and this huge uh, struggle within the early church of, do you have to become a Jewish convert if you're going to follow the Jewish Messiah? Well, here in Jerusalem, they would say, absolutely, you do. And so they pulled Paul aside and said, we, we get it. We know you're doing things out on the far reaches of, of your missionary journeys in these faraway places, but can you throw us a bone? We, we don't want to upset the folks around here in Jerusalem. So while you're here, as our guest, be a little more Jewish. And so to his credit, he does. Paul even joins a, a group of people that is set aside to go through a purification, right, in, in the temple. See, so it's like, can I hop in with these guys? They're like, great. And so he gives a week up. He's like, I'm going to show you that I'm willing to play ball, and I'm going to go in and join this group in, in the temple. So in verse 27, this is what it says. When the seven days were nearly over of Paul going through this time of being come ceremonially clean, some Jews from the province of Asia, out in the mission field where they recognized him, they saw Paul in the temple. and They're going, oh, no, he's the guy we're trying to warn you about. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting to their to their fellow folks and the and fellow Israelites. They're like, "You need to come help us! You don't realize the damage of what this guy is doing. This is a man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law, and in this place. And besides that, he's brought Greeks into the temple area. Greeks." And they've defiled this holy place. They've previously seen Trophius, who's from Ephesus. So uh, apparently Paul has converted this Greek person, and he's traveling around with them too. he's like, they brought an Ephesian into the city and, and assumed that Paul brought him into the temple. What is a Gentile doing in our temple? So that's what's going on so the whole city gets worked into this frenzy. It's aroused, and they came from all different directions. They're sending out different people. You go that way, you go that way, you go that way. Tell everyone this troubler is here. And so folks are coming from all different directions into the temple area. And they they seize Paul, and they drag him out you know, by his feet and, and throw him out into the streets and they're about to kill him. But there's such a commotion going on in Jerusalem that the Roman soldiers get involved and they intervene and they arrest Paul for disturbing the peace. And they, so for the rest of the book of Acts, Paul's in jail. He's behind bars. That's what's going on. So in essence, Paul is in prison for the passionate conviction That God is the God of all nations. God is the God of all people in all places, in all times. And God wants a multi-ethnic covenant family. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3 with this backstory and this understanding of what's happening and why he's writing. As he makes his way through the penal system and, and has made his way up to Rome, Paul says this. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery that's made known by the revelation as I have gone through this. And I've already written briefly. In in reading this, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Okay. So Paul has talked about this mystery a couple times in chapters 1 and 2. We'll get to that in a minute. Then in verse 5 it says, This mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations, is now has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles... Are in their heirs together with Israel. Members of one body shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Okay, so three times Paul mentions this mystery. There is a mystery. So I, I don't want you to think uh, murder she wrote. That that's not where we're getting at. It's Something that has been withheld, something that has been not known, has suddenly the curtains been pulled back, and now it's known what God has been up to. And so, things in previous generations, there was this divide, and Paul says, Curtains pulled back. Now you see what God's plan was for all nations to come in. And because of the grace of God, I'm able to give you this message of hope. And so all throughout Scripture, you can see places where God has said, this is the way it's going to be, and this is my ultimate guide. But now that it's being put into place, the Jews are not happy with this, and they're hacked off. And Paul says, I stake my life on this. This is how important this unity is. And if you think about the story of Jesus and how he died, well, he died on a Roman cross, put there by Roman soldiers. But he was put there at the behest and the suggestion of the Jewish leaders and the Jewish religious authorities. Why? Why this coming together for to put Jesus on the cross? Well, it, it, it's a foretaste of the unity that Jesus intends of one covenant relation coming together under God. And, and that's what we read about last week. Paul's like, you, you see what's, what's happening here? He said, God wanted to reconcile two groups of people and make them one. How do we do this? Ephesians 2 and verse 16. He says, through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jews and Gentiles should no longer be hostile towards each other. Through the cross of Christ, we're all leveled out. We're all in need of a Savior. So the only entry card into these two separate families that have now been made one is this. Just to humbly admit out loud, Lord, I'm a mess. Lord, I'm a selfish sinner. Lord, I need a Savior. Me too. Yeah, I do too. We all need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ because he gave his life for us. And through his forgiveness and grace, we're welcomed into a family. But we're also welcomed into your presence, God. That's what we need. And I know through the grace of God and your forgiveness, I can live differently. That's our entry in. That's our confession. Ephesians 3, verse 7 and 8 says, I become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people. Why did he say this? He's like, dude, I was out on the road. I was going from town to town killing Christians and, and, and putting my name to it and holding the coats of those that were doing it. I'm the least, but yet I was extended grace and forgiveness, but I've been given a calling to do this. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. God says, I want this one to go out and do this. The Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ Jesus. Paul's like, I don't deserve this, but boy, I'm going to live into this. And he says, I want all believers to come to a common ground in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, is kind of a confusing passage. What Paul is talking about is the church, when it's functioning, and we're living in this way where all these dividing things and the hostility gets thrown out, and we're living in a way that's different than the world around us. The manifold wisdom of God, what he has dreamed about, what he's put this plan into place, and when it's functioning and when it's going, The world and the dark powers that are aligned against us, which Paul talks throughout this letter, that they are on alert that when God's people start acting this way, their powers are useless. The script that's handed to us by the world no longer is what we're going for. It's no longer what we're living with. So within the church, while our cultural differences remain The common denominator in the family is not our skin color. Amen? It is not what music we like, as long as it's not country music, because that's not real music. It's not what team we follow. It's not our brand of politics. No, the, the common denominator is simply this, that we need Jesus Christ. He's our only lifeline. And we put our trust in him, all of our eggs go into that basket, no matter what background we come from. And when we allow tribal identity of any kind to define us, within the church, the powers of this world and the world itself, they go, aha, aha. You're not different, and they jump up, and they find a wedge, and they separate us, and Paul's like, that's not the way it's supposed to be within the church. There's supposed to be a unity that cannot be explained, but the powers of this world divide us through superiority complexes and our pride, and and we buy into the lie that somehow I'm better than you, and when we as Christians do that, we're no longer submitting ourselves humbly to Jesus Christ. It may be something trivial, or it may be something serious, like we saw this week. Son, there's a black man running in our white neighborhood. Grab your gun and hop in the truck. But the, If there was ever a time when the church needs to be radically different than the world around us, to have a message of inclusion and, and that we're all humble before the cross that is right now. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And Paul says, God has a community in mind that no longer operates under distorted tribal prejudices and divides. We're all laid bare before the cross of Christ. Paul says when our church gets together and, and, and we have folks that don't normally gather together, when you have black and white and yellow and brown and rich and poor and folks from completely different backgrounds and political parties, when they all become this collection in this family that no one would have chosen on their own, that we become a family that's simply united by Jesus, Paul says, yes, (laughs) that's what God wants. That's the church that's the bride of Jesus Christ what does he say? Verse 12, in him and through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. All of us. <laughs> we all have confidence to walk in the throne room of God. We all have freedom that's given to us. Freedom to say sin no longer is going to hold us in chains. These divisions that get fanned to, to flame out in the marketplace and in the the political spheres we're not going to take the cheese we're not going to bite at that we're not going to make that our talking track our talking track is different because we are no longer going to allow these things to divide us that's what he's talking about and paul says don't be upset that i'm in prison he goes because if this thing works out it was so worthy of my life because i want to see the kingdom of god be different How does this cash out for you and I? Number one, it's simply through humility. We need to remind ourselves that we're no better than anyone else around us. And when we start feeling that sense of pride, when we start feeling that sense that I've got to divide myself from, just realize that's not of God. That's not something that God has in store for his church or his followers. So we need to realize, boy, we're no better than the next guy. We're all in need of a savior. And humbly, we walk into the presence of God with that freedom and confidence. And number two is clarity, is clarity. You know, the Israelites fell victim to asserting their cultural identity and markers over and against the very nations they were called to reach church, we simply can't afford to do the same. You know, the Stone Campbell restoration movement of which we're a part began as a call to unity. They saw way too much fragmenting out in the Protestant field. And they said, can we just come back? Can can we just be unified as a people? Can we get rid of all of these decisions and these creeds and the things that divide us and just get back to square one? Can we be a unified people? But unfortunately, it quickly fragmented over non-essential identity markers. That's not what this church needs to be about. When people come in our midst, they need to see and hear and experience and know the good news of Christ crucified, and that's it. Let's pray together about these things. They're so crucial to us. Father, it, it's so easy for us to look at the Jews and Gentiles and the struggles of the believers in Jerusalem as, as if we're reading a history book. Lord, give us a conviction that there's a message in there for us as well. There's a temptation for us to look at ourselves as superior to others that haven't figured things out. Lord, there's a tendency for us to spend time with people that are just like us There's a tendency for our churches to be reflective of the people that we like the most. Lord, I I pray that the High Point Church is a church for all. And I pray that this church is known simply as a group of Christians that proclaim your son, Jesus' name, and him crucified. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.